Father, we come before you this morning so grateful uh, for all your goodness. We pray that our worship is a blessing, uh, not only to each one here, but also to you. Thank you for what you do for us. Thank you for your son. Thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, well, welcome everyone. Would you please take a moment to greet those around you? Well, welcome again. Thank you so much for joining us this morning for worship. If you're visiting with us today, we welcome you. We hope that today is a blessing for you. Uh, if, you are, uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us as a church, there are yellow sheets uh, in front of you. You can fill those out if you uh, have a change of address, prayer request, anything that you'd uh, like the church to contact you about, please uh, fill that out. And you can place that in the offering basket or the offering box, which is between the double doors in the back. You can also place your offering in that um, box as well. Uh, we'd also like to welcome those who are joining us online. If you are able, we encourage you to join us here in person uh, for uh, the Sunday, Sunday morning fellowship. Uh, we feel it's very important for you to be here in person if you, it's possible. So we encourage that. Uh, just a couple of announcements this morning. Um, there is a Valentine's banquet for couples uh, next week, next Sunday, um, from 4 to 7, I believe, is the time. And uh, if you want to go, there is a cost involved. If you go to our website, uh, if I'm right, it's $40. And you need to pay that by February 8th or Wednesday. Uh, it's $40 per couple. There will be uh, child care provided as well. Uh, let's see. The, um, there's a, a ski day for those who uh, like to ski or snowboard at Christie Mountain, February 18th, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. It's Pastor Tony's stuntman up there, so not actually Pastor Tony. Um, uh, if you'd like to join us, uh, you are uh, responsible for uh, your ride to and from the, uh, to Christie Mountain, uh, any equipment that you need, food. Um, but there will be lots of people there to uh, enjoy spending uh, time with uh, in the snow. If uh, you like to just sit in the lodge and watch all of the food and the bags and everything, we need people that do that as well. Uh, you want to bring a book and just relax and be warm, that's awesome. We hope that you can come uh, and join uh, those who will be there. Uh, lastly, there um, is uh, in, the, in the back, right outside the doors, there are baby bottles there, that's a fundraiser for the Pregnancy Help Center. Uh, you can fill it up with change, with cash, with a check, and then return it uh, to the church, and we will get it. <clears throat> excuse me, we will get it to the Pregnancy Help Center. Please do that by the end of February. All the proceeds are used to help support babies and their moms. Uh, this money provides parenting skills, ultrasounds, car seats, diapers, and support for the LifeSpring Home as well. And so we thank you in advance for your support. Uh, of life. Uh, with that, I'd like to welcome Pastor Cody to share God's word this morning. 
Thanks, Jake. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be together. I was thinking of this this week. I was like, even if it's a bad, bad day and I show up on a Sunday, things change for me. Because for me, my heart just goes, I'm with the saints. And it's a glorious day, right? So I, I need to set this tone here right away in the beginning. This might be the longest introduction I've ever given for a sermon before we get into our passage today. But it's very, very important. And lately I've been praying, and I've even praying for this morning, praying, Lord, just bring those who need to be here today. So this is a long introduction, so because of that, where we're at, we truly, and we pray before we get into the Word, but I want to just take a moment and pause and pray. So join me in this. Lord, this morning I ask that today we would truly see our need to have You be the center and have our gaze on the beauty of Christ. So Spirit, we just ask for You to do Your work. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we are in the book of Mark. We're going through our series with Christ in the School of Discipleship. And if you break down Mark, there's kind of three sections. you got one chapter 1 through 7, chapter 8 through 10, and then 11 to the end is kind of the, the, the last week of Christ. And it's kind of stretched out with a lot of stuff going on. And, but first, what I want to do before we go there, I want to draw your attention in our introduction here, not to Mark chapter 11, but to John chapter 6. So if you've got a moment, just turn to John chapter 6. If you didn't bring a Bible, we got Bibles there for you. If you're sitting in the front row of one of our areas, underneath are some Bibles. John chapter 6. And in this, we, we see like even in the first part of John chapter 6, He does this great miracle. And this is something that we cover. In fact, Pastor Aaron covered this story as if you recall, the three first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they are what we call the synoptic Gospels. They kind of share the same stories. Jesus has just fed 5,000, an amazing miracle from a boy's, five loaves and two fish. So He does this amazing miracle. 5,000 people are fed. And we see here that Jesus truly cares for our needs. He truly cares when we are hungry, He'll provide for our needs. Jump to the next day. Look at verse 24. So the next day, through the, you know, it's nighttime comes, you're like, where's Jesus? You know, and the next day comes and, and they realize He's somewhere else, they get in some boats, and they find Him. Look, it says this, Rabbi, when did you get here? Were they looking for Jesus? Why were they looking for Jesus? He just did this great miracle. He fed them, cared for their needs, and now the next day they're looking and they're like, Rabbi, when did you get here? But why were they looking for Jesus? Jesus cuts right to the point. I love it. Very truly I tell you, you are looking for Me not because he saw the signs I performed, because when Jesus was doing these signs, he was showing that he's the Messiah. 
He's this king. He's the great one that was prophesied in the Old Testament. He's the one. Not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. They came looking for Jesus because they were hungry again. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on Him, God the Father has placed His seal of approval. They came the next day. They were excited about this great miracle. They came the next day and followed Him because their stomachs were empty. Not because He was the Messiah. Not because He was the Master and to sit at His feet. They were just coming because we want more food. Their interest was the quick, immediate need at hand. Not Jesus. Jump down to verse 28. Then they asked Him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the One He has sent. Jesus is letting them know that the main thing that they should be pursuing is not just their stomachs, but Christ alone. Him. They want to work for it. What must we do to get it right? And we have that problem also, right? I want to get this done. I want to get this done and get it all right. Satisfying what God wants is not what they are to do, but in whom they are to believe in. It's not what we do, but the focus is the person. Then they want another miracle as you read through this passage. They want another miracle, another sign, because they don't get Jesus. And they really don't want to come and meet Jesus. They come for a free lunch. Why not? Yes, food is important. But what they truly need is Jesus. Look at verse 35. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to Me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in Me will never be thirsty. A couple of verses further. For My Father's will is that everyone who looks at the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life and I'll raise them up on the last day. So like the people in John 6, here's one of the problems we have in our own lives. We often focus on our own works, our own accomplishments, or our own stomachs and miss the great need we have each day for Jesus to be the center. Alright. Let me bear my soul a little bit here. In the last two months, my heart has been kind of dry. I feel like I've just been kind of missing something. And most people haven't noticed because when I come on Sunday, oh, I get to be with you. We get to worship the Lord in song. Worship the Lord in the Word. But I knew something's wrong in my heart the last two months. It's not that I'm in deep sin. It's not that I've walked away from God. Or it's not that I've been too busy or I need a break. I know my limitations. I know how to say no. In fact, this week, I got a phone call and I was like, this would be awesome. Let me call you back. And I was like, nope, I can't do that. It would be too much. 
Have, so here's some questions I've been thinking about. Have I been caught up in the busyness of ministry, which is all great, that I've forgotten the main point, just like the people in John chapter 6? Have I allowed the criticism of cranky people the last two years to really get to me? Or do I just mark it off as an occupational hazard as a pastor? That's what you get no matter what. I've been disappointed with people. In fact, the last week a couple people have misused Scripture. And I've been disappointed in them, but then I realize, am I more disappointed in myself? There's nothing wrong with wanting the blessings upon. So take a look at these words here, these three areas. So i got this chair here. The next slide. So I sit in my life. And at my world here, at my feet, I've got my oh, we got ministry. Yeah, family first. So I got my family. I want the Lord to work in my family. Absolutely. I want the Lord to work in my ministry and then my daily routine, all that's going on. There's nothing wrong with sitting there going, God, bless these things. And my empty stomach, right? How many of you ever get hungry? I do. We had a funeral here last yesterday and the, the ladies were baking chicken and the whole time I'm like, this is going to be a short funeral because I'm hungry. There's nothing wrong with wanting a blessing on these things, but if that's the main reason I'm seeking Jesus, going, God, I'm seeking You to bless my family and bless my ministry, bless my daily routine in my stomach, if that's the main reason... I'm missing the point, right? Just like the people in John 6. What I need most is just sitting at the feet of Jesus. To daily sit at His feet and learn from Him. Have you thought of this? Have I taken Jesus captive for my own purposes? Jesus, I want You to bless my family. Okay, that's my focus. I want You to bless my ministry and bless the daily routines of my life. Do I get caught up in what Jesus can do for me when really what I need to do is just seek Jesus? And that was my problem. I become like the people in John 6. Is my image, my approval, based upon what I can do and how Jesus blesses it? Jesus, bless my family. He is. and Oh, look at how great it is. Bless the ministry. Oh, look how great it is. Bless my daily routine. Please listen to this. Is my image approval based upon what I do and how Jesus blesses it? Or is my image and approval based upon simply... Not how He blesses this, but my image and approval based upon who I am in Him. Which cannot be shaken or taken away, right? That does not change. God does bless the family. He does bless the ministry. He does bless the interest I'm involved in. Mainly, so I can have more faith in Him. And focus on Him. And here's the problem in John 6. God gave them food. Great miracle. They come the next day. Rabbi, oh, how long have you been here? We want more miracles, more food. 
We're here for a free meal. He does that so that they would see Him as the Master. When we try to use Jesus for our own desire, we are not filled and become dry and miss the main reason why we have Jesus in our lives. He is Savior to my fallen ways. I'll continue to ask Jesus to bless these areas. Absolutely. But that's secondary. The great need is to have the great need we have each day is for Jesus to be the center. The resilience of my job, the resilience of my family, the resilience of my family or daily routine is based upon not me sitting in the chair going, God, bless these areas, but me sitting at the feet of Jesus. And then the natural overflow is blessing those areas. So maybe you're like me. And this is what you need. This is about victory for the falling and failing disciples. Anybody like that in this room? We want Jesus to bless these areas, but if the main and only reason we want we're missing the point. The main focus must be on Christ alone, not the residual blessings we get out of that. Here's what I wrote down. Jesus is here not to give you what you want, but what you need. Personally, I need to constantly behold the beauty of Jesus, the Good Shepherd. The Lord is my Shepherd. I lack nothing. Even though things may not be going so well in the family, or maybe things not in, in the ministry or in my daily routine, guess what? I lack nothing. He's the shepherd who guides, provides, and encourages me. In fact, recently I've reached out to four different ministers saying, guess what? You know, things in my life just seem kind of dry. And I talked to one pastor, and he was like, yeah, focus on the shepherd. So I've been reaching out to them. We're going to be getting together often because I need their guidance. When we get this right, our hearts right, then we have joy. Then we have peace. Then we see this transforming power in our lives. And out of that, we'll be a product of transforming grace to those around us. Impacting those three areas. I must often sit at the feet of Jesus. There is nothing God has made in this world that will satisfy us more than God Himself. Amen? So He meets us where we're at to transform us to be more like Him. So where are you at? Maybe you're like me and you're just kind of like, okay, I've through the daily routines of Christianity and I've been living the Christian life. Maybe you've been a Christian more than 20 years and you get to these seasons where you're just kind of like, oh, I'm just kind of dry and just... Maybe that's you. Or, maybe you're broken. Maybe you come to church and you realize, man, I've got so much sin. i just got this habit I can't destroy. And I just feel like this total disaster. I just I can't get things right. Come to the feet of Jesus. Or maybe you look at your family and just go, it is just a mess. 
I don't know what to do. God, help me. You're at a great place. Maybe you feel broken. Maybe you feel like life is crashing around you. Sit at the feet of Jesus. So what I've done is what I'm going to try to do for the next couple, we had two and a half months before we get to Easter. Section one, we talked about Messiahship, discipleship. Section two in Mark, we talked about discipleship. Now it's just meet Jesus. Because here's the problem. We're going to go through some of these passages. We know these stories. If you've been in church more than five years, you know all these stories about Jesus going to the cross, Palm Sunday. Pause. Don't miss out on Jesus, right? So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to have two people come up and we're going to have them sing a song. The words won't be up there. It might be a song you know. Come on up, Kevin, Lindsay. I want you right now just to pause. And just between you and God, say, Jesus, help me sit at Your feet. I need You right now. Because You know what's going on. None of us are perfect yet. When we get to see Him in glory, then the perfect comes. But right now, between you and God, as this song's being sung, just say, Jesus, I need You more. I need You more. Every time I try to make it on my own Every time I try to stand and start to fall All those lonely roads that I have traveled on There was Jesus When the life I built came crashing to the ground When the friends I had were nowhere to be found I couldn't see it then, but I can see it now There was Jesus In the waiting, in the searching in the healing and the hurting like a blessing buried in the broken pieces every minute every moment where i've been and where i'm going even when i didn't know it i couldn't see it there was jesus for this man who needs amazing kinds of grace for forgiveness at a price I couldn't pay I'm not perfect so I thank God every day that there was Jesus in the way in the searching in the healing and the hurting 
Like a blessing buried in the broken pieces Every minute, every moment Where I've been and where I'm going Even when I didn't know it Or couldn't see it There was Jesus On the mountain, in the valleys there was Jesus in the shadows of the alleys. There was Jesus in the fire and in the floods. There was Jesus. Blessing buried in the broken pieces. Every minute, every moment, where I've been and where I'm going, even when I didn't know it or couldn't see it, there was Jesus. There was Jesus. There was Jesus. We all need Him. We all need to sit at the feet of Christ. You might be a retired pastor who pastored for 40 some years. Larry still needs Christ. You might be a pastor that's still a young guy. Oh, maybe I'm not too young. I still need him. You might be that struggling disciple where you just got all this stuff and you just, oh, we need just to daily sit at the feet of Christ. Amen? So would you do this with me? If that's where you're at, we're, we're just going to, again, the next two and a half months, we're just going to look at Christ every Sunday. If you want that, would you stand just as a way of saying, that's what I need. That's what I want right now if you're able to. And we're going to pray. So Father God, we as a church come before You. And we thank You how You do bless our families. We, are, we truly are blessed. We thank You how You bless the ministries here there's just an overflow of what you are doing, and we've seen that for a while here. It's just it's beautiful. And the, the daily routines that we have, you are you're involved in that. And you bless us with food, you bless our stomachs. But may we realize that those are secondary to just you. Jesus, we stand and confess. We need you. Jesus, we need You daily. Walk with us. Help us. I'm so grateful i got a couple old guys, older pastors who are just going to be like, yeah, Cody, been there. Here's how I keep my focus on Christ. And Jesus, as we walk through Scripture, help us not just go, oh, I know this story. Help us see the beauty of You. 
So individually and corporately, we say, God, we turn to You and trust in the beauty of Jesus. And this we pray, Amen. Amen? Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Yep, that was a long introduction. But if we don't get that right, we miss out. Mark chapter 11. Let's go to Mark chapter 11. I'm going to cruise through a whole chapter. Unbelievable in this short of time. Mark chapter 11, we meet Jesus the King. Jesus the Prophet. And Jesus the Priest. We now come to the last section of Mark's Gospel. These last six chapters beginning with Passion Week, includes this, then we get Passion Week starting, but then Mark includes all this confrontation that we'll see in the next couple weeks with Jesus and the religious leaders. And then teaching about His death, chapters 11-13. through 13, Preparing people, teaching about His death. We're going to learn about some of these things. And then we get to the cross, and on Easter we will celebrate His resurrection. Amen? Through the pages of Mark, we have seen Jesus be Silent. This messianic secret. Don't tell others, I just cast out some demons. Don't let people know. I just healed you. Don't let people know. Now, He moves and lets the public know who He is and what His mission is about. So, Mark chapter 11. Starting with verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of His disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you. Just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it. And we'll send it back here shortly. They went and found a colt outside of the street, tied to a doorway, as they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered, as Jesus told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus, they threw their cloaks over it. He sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road and others spread branches. They had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David! Hosanna in the highest! Jesus enters triumphantly. And this is what we call Palm Sunday. And this is the time when we celebrate. Usually we use this passage on Palm Sunday. We're doing it now because we're going through the Gospel of Mark here. And I love how as this happens, they make a makeshift saddle. They throw some of their garments on this colt, put Jesus on there. And in John, the Gospel of John, remember the four Gospels tell the story, John quotes Zechariah 9.9 saying, this is the Messiah. He's the One. He's the coming King. Robes and green branches are put down. They kind of pave the way. And this is what it would take when a king was coming. They would lay things down and go, the King is here. It's interesting. Take a look at verse 10. 
Out of all the four Gospels, Mark is the only one that says what's in verse 10. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Now because of the audience, Mark wants to focus on that aspect. He wants people to know that this truly is the King. And in the throne of your life, in this chair that you sit in and want to control all things, guess what? Sit down at the feet because the King is here. He's the one that deserves that place. They're now ready for Christ to reign. Look, it says, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. They're looking now for the glory, the wealth, the power, and also the military affair that possibly may happen here where then that strength will come and freedom because the King is here. Yet, they don't understand the nature of the kingdom, right? The disciples haven't. The crowds now don't get it. They don't realize it's through suffering that this King will come to reign. So Jesus comes and they declare the King is here. So it's important for us to, number one, see Jesus as King. He's the One who reigns over all. He rules over all. He is the One who's in control. Not us sitting in the chair going, "All right, Jesus, here's what I want You to do for me. But us sitting at the feet of Jesus saying, You're the King. I'll follow You. The section 12-25, through I'm not going to read it. Here we see Jesus as the prophet. The King is one who comes to rule and reign. The prophet is one who comes to share and speak God's Word. He's the one who brings God's Word. So they're traveling. Jesus is hungry, the passage says here. He looks at a tree and goes up to the fig tree because he's like, maybe there'll be something there. And it's interesting, in this region, this type of tree, this type of fig tree, when the leaves pop out, also the fruit is there somewhat. It's, ready, you can, it's not fully ready and ripe, but you can still eat it. He gets there and he's like, this tree, it's got the leaves, it should have fruit, it should be picked. He gets the tree and what happens? No fruit. So Jesus curses a tree. Some of you know this about me, I don't like olives. Olives are gross, right? Raise your hand, right? See, look at my wife, see that? No. Who likes olives? I can't see you. So often whenever there's somebody eating olives, I go, you know Jesus cursed an olive tree? Why would you eat that? And people go, it was a fig tree. Oh, okay, you're right. Wish it would have been an olive or something. Gross. Anyways. What it, it's interesting in the Gospel of Mark, this is a miracle here, we'll see. But of all the miracles, this is the one and only one that's a destructive miracle. Jesus curses it. Why is He doing this? He's doing this because He's acting out a parable. Often He's given parables. If you recall, we've been going through the Gospel of Mark. He's been telling parables, stories. Often there are these stories that He tells people so people go, oh, that's what the kingdom of God is like. Oh, 
This is what your teaching point is. Now he's like, you know what? Instead of telling you a parable, we're going to act out a parable. This tree is cursed. Then he goes to the temple. And there he realizes the temple is not being used as it should. Goes to where people should be meeting God. Instead of meeting God, they're using it for the wrong things. They're selling things. They're, they're bringing things in there shouldn't be in the temple. And here's where this area where the Gentiles would be, they're selling all this stuff. And he's like, no. And he kicks everybody out. He's like, this is, this is the wrong thing. What are you doing? So I wrote this down. Jesus goes to the temple not to cleanse the temple of Gentiles. Because again, a lot of the Jewish people are like, well, guess what? Gentiles, you're over here because you're dirty and we're the Jewish people so we can get closer to God. Jesus goes to the temple not to cleanse the temple of Gentiles, but enters the temple to cleanse it for the Gentiles, right? He's coming showing God's Word. He's the prophet saying, guess what? This good message is for the Israelites and for others. Back to the tree. The barren tree that symbolizes Israel. It's dead. The tree's dead. It had no fruit. God desires correct worship. And He's saying, guess what? Take a look at verse 21. Peter remembered and said, Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God. Love that. Jesus answered. The tree was alive. It's got green leaves when they go up to it, but no fruit. Jesus curses it, and now it withers up. If we're not bearing fruit, we must repent and believe in God. Have faith in God. The correct object of faith is not the temple, but it's to be God alone. He's the prophet. He's the one that comes to bring the Word of God. And He does it in an action-filled, acted-out parable. Showing that the Israelites, well, they act like they're alive, but they're dead. Cruising as quick as I can. Let's go to 27-33. through 33. Jesus, the priest. Now this section here doesn't mainly pertain to the priesthood. But here the religious leaders begin to argue with Jesus. What authority do you have to be saying these things and doing these things? They are fed up. They've been fed up for a while. They've been trying to trick him, challenge him. Now they're trying to trick him again. They're like, where does your authority come from? And a true prophet's authority, a true king's authority, comes from God alone. And if he says, well, it comes from God, then they're going to try to trick him and trap him. Because they didn't truly know his source of authority. 
then he gives back a great... Jesus doesn't play the games. He gives them a question. Well, whose authority did John have? Then like, oh, if we say from God, then he's, Jesus is on his side and this is not going to work out for them. They try to trap Jesus, but he truly is the one who has all authority. He doesn't even answer him. He's like, I don't need to answer you. Because he is truly the high priest. He has the authority. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1 says, We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of God. He has all the authority of the throne of the majesty in heaven. Jesus is the one who has all authority. He is the great high priest. And that is how we are saved. We are saved by this great high priest. Not just to be freed from the entanglements of sin. Absolutely, we're freed from the penalty of sin. Yes, indeed. But we're also freed to know and experience Jesus as these three things here. King, prophet, and priest. When we come to know Him that way, then we experience joy. Then we experience the freedom we're supposed to get. When we get off our little throne and sit at the feet of the great King who is sovereign over all. Sit at the great prophet who not only brings God's Word, He is God's Word. And He has all authority. Focusing on God's character and His glorious work of salvation humbles us to get off the throne and sit at the feet of Jesus. And this recalibrates us. It recalibrates our desires to be in accord with His will. So let me end with this. The focus is Christ. I know I kind of cruise through this very fast. Some of you know the story of Palm Sunday. Don't worry, coming up in April on Palm Sunday, we'll talk about this again. We might even have some of the kids wave some branches. But more than that, I want our kids to know the beauty of Jesus. Amen? Is Christ truly the King of your life? If you think you can sit on the throne and try to get everything, all your ducks in a row, and get everything all balanced and right, and you're going to live a happy life, you will fail. Keep Him on the throne. And if He's not on the throne of your heart, put Him there now. Make Jesus the King. Make Him the prophet of your life. He truly is the high, high priest. And it is in Christ alone. So at this time, the worship team's going to come up. We've got two more songs. Today, as every Sunday, as every day that you live, is to be about Jesus. And today I wanted to set the tone for you. To remind you, wherever you're at, maybe, you've, maybe you're this shiny, great disciple, everything's perfect in your life, praise God, right? Right? Or maybe there is a disaster 
and you're ready to just call it quits, still praise God. Because He's still the King. Amen? He's still that prophet. And He is that great High Priest that we don't have to work for it. He has done it for us. Daily sit at the feet of Jesus. Keep your gaze on Him. Don't get lost in the details of wanting. There's nothing wrong with wanting to bless your family or your ministry, whatever God's doing, or your daily routine, your interests. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's secondary to just soaking up Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we come before You right now. We thank You that You have done what we cannot do. There are times we just want to throw the towel in and we should do that daily. We should daily say, I surrender. I love how You walk with us. I love how You protect us. I love how You provide for us. You are the Savior. Hosanna means save us. And I'm glad that You saved me from the penalty of sin. And I know daily You can save me from the power of the sin that so easily entangles us. Today, we claim Jesus. He is what we need more than anything. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Stand.